When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dead and Roasted. What can I get you? Ah, break time again already, huh? Gee, time sure flies when your customers keep complaining about that corpsey taste in their cold brew. <laughs> corpsey. Uh, that might actually explain where our last employee's finger went after the bagel cutting incident. Remind me to check the cold brew machine later. Anyway. I do have a couple of new stories from listeners to share. One of them is a very good reason why working from home can be just as, if not more, creepy than working on site. The other story tells of a walk home alone from work and what sorts of unseen terrors await you in the dark. Enjoy, and do remember, if you ever decide to clock back in, you may never clock out. These are Tales from the Break Room. I can come in from Awaken O Sleeper. This may not be conventional, but my personal line of work is being a housewife, and I do work from home as well. I've thought about submitting my personal horror stories often, and I do have quite a few, but this one always was just one of the most sickeningly creepy stories I've experienced. At the time, I was 21, newly married and also a couple months pregnant. My husband and I had been in a car accident and had no car at the time, so he normally commuted to work with his co-workers, while I just stayed in our tiny one-bedroom apartment all day and worked from my laptop. When we first moved in, the walls were bland and white. Luckily enough, the landlord gave me permission to paint, so I got a few basic supplies like paint, brushes, and putty for any nicks that I found along the way. But I ended up not even needing the putty, as the walls were in good condition. I was excited to finally be on my own with my husband, and not long after we moved in, I met our neighbor and his wife. He was a middle-aged, beer-gut, and balding man, with that band of hair that wraps around his head. I'm not sure what it's called, but he was very friendly nonetheless, while his wife was an average lady about the same age, brunette with glasses and uncomfortably quiet and distant. I was polite, regardless, and tried to make small talk with her but she was more interested in going back inside than having conversations with me, while her husband, we'll call him Bill, on the other hand, was very engaged in trying to make small talk with me. He asked me the basics, I suppose, how old I was, where I was from, what I did for a living. I answered truthfully as anyone would when meeting a new neighbor. I thought it would be a good idea to make good with the neighbors seeing as I would be alone most of the time without a vehicle and wanted to have people nearby that I could reach out to in case of emergencies. So far, the neighbors above me were three nutjob sign-waving fanatics that would make it a point to inform others that God hates particular types of people, and the neighbors to the right of me constantly were yelling and screaming. So, really, I didn't want to associate with either group. Mr. Bill seemed to be the nicest man, so I didn't mind the occasional conversation with him. 
While chatting on our first meeting, he asked me if I had cable TV yet. An odd question out of nowhere, but I answered saying that I didn't. We couldn't afford to have it yet. But we did have Netflix, so I was alright. He laughed and said, Oh no, you need to have TV. You have to be bored over there all by yourself all the time. I've got a spare cable and I'll come over and splice it up for you and you can share mine. I thought this was simply a kind gesture and never thought anything of it, but I declined the offer, truthfully telling him I couldn't have him do that. It would be dishonest and I could get into trouble as technically it would be stealing. He laughed and assured me it was fine and told me he could come over later to hook it up. I was kind of briefly taken aback that he was so insistent on giving me free TV, so I just told him I would ask my husband about it and let him know. He said, Alright, well find out and let me know. I'm always here and can come over anytime. I gave a polite nod and excused myself back inside, dismissing it and going back to my laptop to work. A few days passed and I would see him outside and he'd always bring up the cable thing, wanting to come over to install it for me. The odd thing was that every time I went outside, he would come outside too. Every single time. I was one of those people who was pretty oblivious, and I didn't really follow my gut feeling here, telling myself I was being ridiculous for finding it weird that he always seemed to go outside when I was. One night around 7 to 8 o'clock, after my husband left, he walked over, knocked on my door, and when I answered, he was his polite and perky self, asking me, Hey, is it a good time to come do that cable line for you? I was stunned, and I told him, uh, uh, I talked to my husband, and he said he isn't comfortable with it, but we're okay with just using Netflix for now. He replied with a sigh and a diminishing eye roll. It's fine. He's missing out. I can just come do it real quick, no problem. I started to get really uncomfortable. I laughed out of a nervous habit, going along with it and saying, Oh, I know, that's just how he is, but my mom is about to pick me up for dinner, so I have to get going. Thank you, though. He then stepped back and waved as he hurriedly replied, Oh, okay. Well, uh, bye bye I shut the door, bolted it, and called my mom, telling her I was afraid to be alone, as I was still new to not living at home anymore. I asked her if I could spend the night, and so I did. I never mentioned why I was uncomfortable. I think I was still just reminiscing the warning signs. Well, not too long after this, I randomly started noticing these weird little holes in my bedroom wall. I would putty them and then later find more and putty those, then find more again. I was so stupid back then, because I thought it was from maybe some sort of bug, just burrowing small holes similar to how bees or termites do. Mr. Bill would continue to offer his free cable. He even offered to come sit with me on nights my husband wasn't home. I continued to be polite, but I didn't suspect too much. Our apartment had a back door and window on our bedroom, and as I was in bed with my husband, I was playing on my phone when the streetlight illuminated around a man's form walking past the window. Then someone tried to turn the door handle from the other side. I shook my husband awake and told him someone was at the door. He called out, 
Hello? It stopped. A shadow immediately passed by, returning in the direction from which it came. I was stunned, and my husband said it was probably one of the drunk neighbors. And so we just went back to bed. Ugh, writing this out is just as painful for me to admit as it is for you to read. You're probably in shock at how dumb we were, too, huh? Anyway, we moved out of that apartment after a few months, as we needed a bigger place, since I was expecting, and we found a nice duplex for a while. However, here's where things got crazy. One night, I'm at my husband's job with him, as I would sometimes hang out there during his shifts, and I was talking to his coworker, who was a very sassy and outspoken Latina, who didn't take crap from anyone. <laughs> I loved her. Anyway, she had recently gotten a new place of her own, and I was asking how she liked it. She told me it was nice, she was enjoying it, and asked me about my own, which I too told her how nice it was, and this is how that conversation proceeded. Yeah, I really like it a lot. We have a fenced-in backyard and more room inside, plus a nice porch too. Not at all like our last place. Ugh, it was getting to be cramped, I said. Where did you live? She asked. I told her. The apartment's over on White Valley Road. There was a sudden change in her expression. Wait, you know there was a pedophile living there, right? My blood ran cold at hearing this. I'm pretty sure all the coloring left my face. What? Who? I asked her in shock. She replied. I don't know his name, but yeah, girl. He was a creepy mofo that lived on the end with, like, car stuff always out on the left side, always getting young kids or teens really going in and out of there. He got arrested not too long ago. I stood there with my jaw on the floor, my body prickling with fear and an unsettling chill going up my spine. That had to be him. That was his apartment, for sure. But I was in disbelief. If that was true... There had to be a charge, I thought, so I pulled out my phone immediately, pulling up the Watchdog Sex Offender website, and I typed in my old address. It felt like it took forever for the page to load, and there it was, a big red dot on top of my previous small apartment complex. If you're not familiar with how those work, red is the worst map marker that can appear on this particular website. I hesitated for a moment before clicking the map marker. And as I'm sure you've guessed by now, when the page loaded, there he was. Mr. Bill. A list of charges ranging from before I was even born was shown. Charges for molesting children, the disabled, and even forcible rape and assault on someone. I felt like I couldn't catch my breath, as every odd memory I had from that place flooded my mind. Now, how he wasn't in jail, I don't know, but all I can say is the same thing that most of us have heard, read, or even posted before, and that is to trust your gut and watch for those red flags. Thank God he was watching out for me. I was beyond naive, and things could have ended badly for me. Judging by those frequent holes in the walls, he had been peeping on me and my husband, and hopefully he wasn't filming it. Otherwise, I'm sure there's probably videos of me out there, undressing or having alone time with my husband. I'll never know for sure, and frankly, I don't want to know. 
That's my workplace horror story. If you think you can avoid creeps working from home, you'd be dead wrong. Stay safe. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The Worst Walk Home From Cousin of a Writer For a while in my life, my boyfriend and I had to share a car. For the most part, it wasn't a problem. Usually it just meant I'd have to be dropped off at my work while he went to college, and once my shift was over, he'd pick me up. At the time, I was working at a pretty large motel chain as a housekeeper, which despite what they tried to tell me, was really just a fancy name for a maid. I usually worked mornings since they fit better into my own schedule outside of work. But that day I was scheduled for a night shift, which was from 3pm to 1am. The whole day was absolutely horrible, so many rude and so many creepy customers. And while I could probably write a whole post about the creeps that were always there, or the actually horrifying state so many of these people left their rooms in. No, my story comes from the fact that my boyfriend couldn't pick me up that night. He had to go to marching practice at his college with the rest of the marching band, which left me with a seven-mile walk back home. One guy did offer me a ride home from work, but I feel like if I'd gotten in his car, I'd be telling a completely different scary true story right now. Anyway, after refusing to hop in my coworker's car, I went back inside, grabbed a few water bottles for my journey, and picked up my book bag that was in my locker. I said goodbye to the security staff and headed on my way. To be completely honest, I didn't really care about the distance of the walk. I'd go hiking most weekends. I mostly worried about walking home after dark. Even though I'm a guy, and usually we don't get messed with during night walks, I still was very, very nervous about it just because of how little civilization there was on the walk. Instead, there were a lot of large patches of trees and woods all over the place. Anyway, I started walking home and soon left the motel property entirely. I was walking past the nearby shopping center and the apartment complexes. Every step of the way so far, I was honestly enjoying the walk. 
The cold night air and the occasional car driving by were peaceful. The crickets chirping and the rare hoots of owls were just as nice to hear. These are still sounds I enjoy to this day. Though my legs were burning like hell at one point, having worked such a long shift already, I was still joyfully walking away from civilization and soon found myself in the wooded chunk of land between my work and my home. The whole vibe changed very quickly once I got there. Seeing these trees usually made me happy, and I usually liked to hike around this area during the day, but now it felt dark and foreboding. But with a deep breath, I continued forward. At that time, two cars passed by, and as both got close, I remember getting very nervous about each one. And afterwards, this left me very anxious. In that foreboding moment, I continued on walking in the dark. Then, as if on cue to make me even more scared, I heard three loud cracks echo in the woods nearby. I looked in the direction of the noise, and three more cracks came. I stumbled back and fell onto the road. I landed with a thud and looked around for where these sounds were coming from. I remember I was breathing really heavily, struggling to get back up. Still shaken, I began to jog ahead a bit, occasionally looking behind me over my shoulder. Having grown up in the area, I had heard tales of what that might be out there, making that kind of noise. Bigfoot, slamming a tree branch against a tree to threaten me. Of course, I didn't believe that's what it was. It was simply a thought that crossed my mind. However, at the time, I thought it was just some kids messing around. Or even wannabe Bigfoot hunters trying to get a response back from a real Bigfoot. I'd seen people do that before all the time in these woods. Though not being able to see them doing it this time did make the whole thing much creepier, compared to when they did it during the day. It took a bit, but eventually I calmed down enough to enjoy my walk again. I stopped jogging once I thought I'd gotten far enough away from those noises. At this point, I want to say I was somewhere in the ballpark of two miles done with five more to go, only four more of which would be wooded. I was definitely out of breath at this point from jogging for so long, and I had that weird metallic taste all inside my mouth and throat from when you overexert yourself. I think it was around this point I pulled out my phone to see how my boyfriend was doing at practice. He responded to my text with a picture of his pants covered in mud, then a video of the band instructor telling them they were going to have to run the whole set again, to which the whole band groaned and moaned about it. I laughed and texted him that I was the lucky one, I guess, despite having to walk home alone. He asked how it was going so far, and after I told him it was pretty nice other than some weird noises in the woods. He agreed it was probably Bigfoot hunters since our small town is somewhat famous for them, and then he texted that he had to go back to marching. With a sigh, I went back to walking alone, though I was no longer glued to my phone, so I guess it was overall better for my safety, though I sure didn't feel any safer. Part of me enjoyed just looking at my phone while walking, but I couldn't bring myself to do it unless I was talking to him. I was always a bit nervous about a car pulling up to me without me noticing or me somehow missing a snake on the path or something. So instead, I'd usually just pocket it on my nature walks instead of stare at it, even if it did give me comfort. It was around that time I noticed I hadn't seen any cars for a while, though to be fair, not many people probably drove down this road that late. I trudged along, thinking about how nice a hot bath or shower with my boyfriend would be once we were both home, inspired by cuddling him to keep going. 
Then, a bit later, another three thwacks occurred. This time they sounded a bit more behind me than directly to the side. I spun around and squinted my eyes, trying to make out any shapes in the dark. When I couldn't see anything, really, I turned on my phone flashlight and shined it into the forest. I thought I saw a pair of eyes staring back at me, though with how low to the ground they were, I assumed it was a coyote or something else. Though the idea of a mountain lion or something like that stalking me did cross my mind. I walked backwards a bit, though after the eyes didn't follow me and eventually wandered off, I felt safe, assuming that I was just seeing something like a coyote watching me walk past. That still didn't explain the noises from the woods at all. I'd been a bit worried about either of those things being the cause. Though I did always feel safe in this town, I definitely worried a lot about the wildlife, with this place being so full of wilderness, especially compared to the cities I was used to living in for most of my life. By then, I was probably close to halfway home, and I was slowing down a bit. I didn't want to, but I was getting tired. You know how it goes. Even on hikes, you start out strong, but later on, you're far more sore and tired. I digress. Around the halfway point, I heard another three thwacks. I remember rolling my eyes at this point, assuming now more than ever it was just Bigfoot hunters getting desperate for any sign of Bigfoot himself. I toyed with the idea of howling and whooping into the night, but I didn't want to feed what I thought was ignorance at the time. Then there were three more. I groaned and worried a bit that they were increasing in frequency and would continue all night. Then three more yet again. I shook my head and laughed a bit at it, but I still kept walking. But then, instead of another three cracks, I heard the loudest roar I had ever heard in my life. After that happened, the forest fell silent, like some judge had just called order in the court. I froze for a moment and began to look around the woods again. A bit nervously, I lifted up my phone and turned on the flashlight again. I saw two glowing eyes like before, looking directly at me. They were still low to the ground. I continued walking without breaking eye contact. But then, those two eyes began to rise higher and higher from the ground, until they were way above my own. I freaked out, spinning around and running across the road to the other side of the street. Once I got there, I shone my light back into the woods the direction those eyes were in. The eyes were still just as high up, but now they were closer. It was still on the other side of the street from me. It occasionally blinked as I walked backwards, keeping an eye on it. Sometimes, during one of its blinks, it would move closer to the road. But it never did get close enough for me to see any real details, just its bright eyes shining back at me. I continued to stare back, though it probably only saw my light. That was possibly a good thing as I was far more terrified than fierce in these kinds of moments. I remember feeling like whatever it was was simply toying with me, or testing me, seeing if I'd run again or stop where I was. I kept walking backwards, trying my best to keep steady. However, I hadn't planned on tripping over a massive branch on the side of the road. I fell back, feeling pain shoot through my body from my tailbone. I remember yelling out in pain, and then that thing roared back when I did. At this roar, I scrambled to find where my phone had landed. The screen had a crack in it now, but still the flashlight worked. I shone it back across the road, 
and the eyes seemed much, much closer than before. Slowly I rose, and I went back to carefully walking backwards, but now I was sure to check behind me for branches or rocks every few steps, never taking my gaze away for too long when I did. After what must have been 15, maybe 20 minutes, those towering eyes slunk back into the woods. I took this as my cue, and reinvigorated out of fear, I sprinted down the side of the road for as long as I could. I ended up getting a coughing fit and had to stop to catch my breath. My lungs were on fire then, and every cough only tore apart my throat more. Eventually, once I'd calmed my breathing, I felt very nauseous, and I threw up a bit in the woods. I wiped my mouth with my sleeve, and I turned around, frantically checking my surroundings. If anyone else had been on that road that night, they'd have probably thought I looked crazy. I was shaking constantly, and breathing so loud. I probably would have scared off a coyote or a mountain lion if that had been what was seemingly hunting me. But luckily, I was alone now and there was no longer a big creature behind me. I spun back around, started speed walking down the road, and checked my phone. My boyfriend had texted me that he'd just finished practice and would be home once he got all his stuff put away and printed out his new sheet music he'd need to memorize. I wanted to text him what was happening to me, but I worried he wouldn't believe me at all. I was worried he'd think I was trying to get him to pick me up after I'd already agreed to walk that I was trying to guilt trip him, but at the same time I really wanted to tell him, to tell someone what was going on, to not feel crazy about everything. Besides him, I didn't really have anyone else to call at the time. My parents didn't approve of our relationship, his didn't either, and I moved away from the city I grew up in some time ago. I kinda just lost contact with everyone. I smiled at the text and sent back, Almost home. Bet you a kiss I'll get there first. He responded with a, You're on. And I continued on my way, hoping seeing him would make up for this horrible day, hoping that by simply giving myself something to look forward to, I could push this whole thing to the back of my mind for a bit. I wanted to just rush the two of us back home as soon as possible, so I could get back to normality. As I went on, I felt I had to have been getting close to home by then. I must have been walking for about an hour and 40-ish minutes, but at the time I remember feeling like it had been three hours, though that's probably just from my anxiety and fear. From what I could tell, I was close to being back to civilization after just a little while longer. I could just make out the shape of the gas station near our house. Joyfully, I hurried on, walking a bit faster. When I was about a five minutes walk away from the gas station, I felt like I was home clear now able to see the occasional car pulling in or driving past the gas station into a different part of the small town. It was then that I heard three more thwacks. I froze in place as I heard another roar following quickly afterward. Slowly I kept walking, when after about my fourth or fifth step, I heard the cracking of wood against wood again and another roar. I stopped once more, my heart racing. I wasn't sure what to do. I could run for it, I thought, and despite all my fear, I bolted ahead, running until my legs gave out from under me due to exhaustion. I slid a bit forward, lifting myself up and spitting dirt out of my mouth. Another roar sounded even closer this time, and from my right instead of my left, like all the others had been. 
I stayed still, not sure what to do, as four large creatures began to stir in the woods nearby, barely illuminated by the gas station's neon sign down the road. These four figures came out of the woods maybe six or seven feet in front of me. Then they ran across the road. From the glimpses I saw of them, from my prone position, they reminded me of gorillas or orangutans. Their fur or hair was a dark brown, and their skin on their hands and feet and faces looked to be a very dark gray or black. Well, that went for most of them. There was one that stuck out. It was all black, jet black fur and skin, as dark as the night itself. I started to try to get up once they passed me, when more sounds began to echo from the woods. More of what sounded like branches being slammed against trees. I froze where I was, and they stopped, as one larger than the others emerged from the thicket. It was dragging a massive branch. Well, I guess it was more of a log, actually. I peered up at it, swearing I could see a bit of a feminine shape or outline to it. It had dark brown fur with some patches missing on it. It not only looked a lot bigger, but older, too. It stomped past me, and partway across the road it whooped loudly. Another one in the woods across the road whooped back, and it finally left the road and disappeared into the woods. It left the log on the other side of the road. Slowly and cautiously, I stood up. I was beyond freaked out at that point, and after a bit of walking where nothing else happened, I ran the rest of the way to the gas station. Outside of the station, filling up his tank, was an older gentleman. He looked very worried as I made my way to the building. You alright, son? He asked me. I bent over, trying my best to catch my breath, and wheezed out a... Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. You sure don't seem like it. Something happened? No, no, I'm fine, really, I said, starting to walk away. I stumbled a bit, and he caught my shoulders and helped steady me. Son, you don't really seem okay, and what was with all that screaming and yelling about in the woods you ran out of? No, really, I'm okay. I'm just trying to get home fast is all. You need anything? Looks like you took a nasty spill or two on your run. Huffing and puffing, I managed to squeak out a, no, really, I'm good. But I think he could see it in my eyes that I wasn't good. He could see how shaken I was, not just physically, but mentally. Well, I can't just leave you like this. How about a ride home? He asked. Now, usually I wouldn't hop into a stranger's car, but right in that moment, I wanted to get away from the woods as fast as possible and just get home. I nodded, hopped in, and waited for him to pay for his gas. All right, you live close by? He asked as we pulled out into the road. Yeah, down the road that way, I said, pointing. He nodded and began to drive me home. The whole time I kept looking back in the mirrors at the woods thinking I'd see something, but hoping that I wouldn't. You, uh, sure you're alright, son? You seem awfully shaken up. Yeah, I'm sure. I just... Oh, on the left right here. He turned and soon I saw my apartment complex. Okay, son, just be careful if you go for a midnight walk in those woods again. There are strange things in there if you know what I mean. Yeah, there are. I agreed with him. 
The rest of the drive was silent besides the directions to my complex and me thanking him profusely for doing that. He told me it was no problem and to stay safe. I told him to stay safe too and hobbled to my door, unlocked it, and went inside. I did manage to beat my boyfriend home by a few minutes. However, he was far more concerned about the state I was in than the bed we'd made. I told him everything. He said that was amazing and sounded like a family of Bigfoot getting territorial at me walking in their space or so close to their kids. That's what he assumed the shorter ones were. I asked if he thought I was crazy. He told me no, that it was almost too good to be true, but that he believed me. That's the story of how I almost got mauled by a Bigfoot for getting too close to their kids. Only two good things came from this, one being that I never have to walk home alone from work again, and the other being our shared love of cryptids and such. However, I still don't think you'll ever find me looking for Bigfoot out in the woods. Oh me, oh my. Even if you do manage to clock out, seems something nightmarish might just find you on your way home. Unless your sexually demented neighbor spies you first, of course. Well, my break is over. And I've got a cold brew machine to decorpsify, I guess. I'll see you again on my next break with more Tales from the Break Room. Tales from the Break Room is a viewer-submitted podcast featuring allegedly true scary stories that happened on the way to, on the way from, or at work. If you want your story to be narrated on the show, send it to us at eeriecast.com submit. As of April 14th, we're paying three cents per word for stories that are approved and make it onto the show. Submission does not guarantee approval or payment. For a limited time only, PayPal only. Tales from the Break Room is an EerieCast Network original podcast hosted by Darkness Prevails. You can follow him on Twitter at Dark Prevails, and you can hear thousands more stories read by him on our other show, Unexplained Encounters. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow and rate Tales from the Break Room on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also enjoy plenty more horror-themed podcasts at eeriecast.com.